This is Small Biz Florida, the podcast designed and produced specifically for Florida small business owners and entrepreneurs. Small Biz Florida, talk that works for Florida. This podcast is supported by the Florida SBDC Network, providing the tools, strategies, and expertise to help Florida's business community thrive. Visit the Florida SBDC online at www.floridasbdc.org or contact your local office and get started on your path to success today. This is Small Biz Florida, the podcast and broadcast that's all things business across the state of Florida. And if you've been tuning in lately, you know that we are coming to you from the Florida Rural Economic Development Summit. It's all taking place here in St. Augustine. Uh, It's about a day and a half long event. And as I've uh, told you on previous uh, segments, the room is full. Uh, There's probably 300 plus folks here attending. And it's all about economic development in our rural communities across the state of Florida. And uh, we've got someone who uh, can talk to us about what is going on in these rural communities. Uh, We've got with us now Jennifer Green, uh, who is the founder, owner, operator of Liberty Partners, uh, basically a full-service consulting firm. Jennifer, welcome to Small Biz Florida. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Now, um, you are... we're actually a presenter here at the conference, so I kind of can't wait to talk to you about uh, what you uh, discussed and presented. But let's start, as we always do with guests, kind of a little bit of your background, pathway to uh, actually creating and launching Liberty Partners. Absolutely. Well, I moved to Tallahassee in 92 to finish my last couple years of college at FSU and State. So it's the longest place I've ever lived in my life. And my background had been uh, working on campaigns and volunteering on campaigns. So my first uh, foray into it uh, in my, I guess it was my junior year of college, was actually the Bush Quail campaign in 92. So I'm, I'm dating myself here. <laughs> and then uh, right. got, to, got to work on Governor Bush's uh, first campaign and, uh, and also uh, a few other uh, stints in the House as an intern before I graduated in, in Candidly, um, I had seen what what federal and and state campaigns could do and would do and didn't really have any experience with trade associations. And so my last year of of college at FSU had a professor that said I need a seasoned intern. And and I said, I'm pretty tired, but okay, and ended up at a trade association. And so I spent the first 10 years of my lobbying career at a um, at two different trade associations, twelve years, uh, both white hats, bankers and CPAs, and still represent the Florida Institute of CPAs now. But uh, we started the firm uh, with former U.S. Senator Connie Mack, and it was uh, it was one of those where I was a deputy executive director at a great again statewide association had all the external functions of the entity and was doing everything I love, the lobbying, the membership, the, you know, being out with uh, members, developing policy, and um, got a phone call from Senator Mack. And I was probably, when we started the firm, the folks that came together, I was the only one who had not worked for him. I obviously knew him. If you were in Republican politics, you absolutely knew who Connie Mack was. And he said, I need a couple folks on the ground. And Myself and uh, another person who ended up in-house at Moffitt uh, later on, but we were the only ones that left gainful employment. And um, I was honored but scared to all get out. And, uh, and, and you talk about entrepreneurship when you don't have an office right. and when it's a couple of weeks before the legislative session starts and you say, hey, um, we're starting a new gig and right. I've, got, I've got the client that I was working with previously, and, um, but, 
but we think we can do it. And uh, a couple years into it, Senator Mack said uh, he was he was ready to to sort of we'll say retire, but said you got this. These are all your clients that you're pulling in, and and good luck. And so I am so thankful that he was there in the beginning, and we're just finishing our fifteenth year. Nice, good story. I, and I will just tell you that. Um, I did, do not have the same uh, distinguished career you have, but I was a messenger uh, in my senior year of high school. Um, our local state rep uh, taffed me to, uh, I think our title was messenger. Yes, great. Uh, yes, and, uh, and my favorite part of that story is, so I spent a week roaming around the Capitol and doing what messengers do, and it had been years since I'd been to the Capitol. Uh, got associated with the SBDC, came back to the Capitol, and I kind of had to stand there for a minute. I went, okay, let's remember, how do I get from the House to the Senate side? Where's that bridge? Uh, yeah. On what floor? So yeah. it, it, it was. It was uh, It was nice to go back and kind of remember those early days. Um, so let's talk about uh, um, the whole purpose of this summit, rural communities. Uh, you are working with a number of uh, rural communities, and I guess my first, my my first question really is, why is this important for economic development and growth in the state of Florida? Why the focus on the rural communities? We've had a couple guests that says that have told us this is really the key. The rural communities are the key to this. So explain that. What Connect those dots for us. I think statewide, we have such a diverse state when it comes to just looking at, well, one, geographic, but two, if you look at the needs of, you know, the city of Miami, they're very different than the city of Defuniac. I mean, beyond, I mean, it's worlds worlds apart. Right. Um, I do think that you've got uh, individuals, you've got, you know, a lot of people moving to Florida, but those that don't necessarily want to be in a city but want to stay in Florida, you move to a place like, let's use Walton County for an example. At the north end, it's very rural. It's um, hometown. The south end, you have... It's, it's seaside, it's, you know, uh, Rosemary Beach, it's huge amounts of money in business. Very, very different. But I think the opportunity for industrial parks, growth on, on there's space. I mean, right. geographically, it's probably the best way to describe it. First is space. You've right. got a lot of land and the ability to not be landlocked and to be flexible in what you want to bring into um, your local government. Is, is part of this going to require... Infrastructure. Now, I, we met with a small town, uh, Greenville, uh, a couple of segments ago, and they're located right off of I-10. So, again, great access. Are some of the rural communities, are we going to have to do some infrastructure um, improvements to, to, to leverage these rural communities, or are they sort of already got all that down? They don't have all of it down, um, but many of them are further along, I think, than they even realize, um, especially when you talk about water and sewer. Um, you, you got an industrial park. Let's give that you know example. You have an industrial park on your I-10. It's zoned appropriately, but maybe you don't have the full water and sewer going to it. You're talking about lines, infrastructure lines, and nine times out of 10, the local government is likely the utility provider. So there's a, a lot of flexibility there for them, but it's, it's being able to find the money to do it. Because if you think about it with a city and a county, you know, largely a county, what's the only way to raise revenues? Ad valorem, or if you have a utility, that's one thing. Right. So uh, give you an example, uh, you know, again, our, our bread and butter is lobbying. And most of our clients are our business-related clients and state associations. But our first city that we ever represented was the city of Milton. 
that's the north end of Santa Rosa County. And uh, first thing they wanted us to work on was to find appropriations and funding for a wastewater treatment facility. I've learned more about <laughs> wastewater treatment facilities and MGDs per day. They're a city that had, again, their utility had everything in place they needed. Um, and their challenge was actually the dirt on where to put it and why to put it in a particular place. Um, change that. Uh, let's move over a little bit further east to Holmes County. Very small county. Doesn't have a coastline on it. Holmes County has a large um, ag center, uh, a building they weren't using, and a bunch of land that they were leasing from the state. And we've worked over the last three years to be able to turn it into a $4 million appropriation from the legislature to develop it into a full Ag center, government complex, sheriff's office there, emergency, um, you know, EMS there as well. But they still are dealing with issues like something as simple as, okay, do we have to look for stormwater runoff? Do we have to make sure that, you know, the parking lot floods? Is everything in place? Those are, you know, what goes in the ground and being able to build a building, there's a lot of um, base work that has to be done and that costs money. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the things uh, when when you hear the word lobbying firm, of course, you immediately think, you know, politics and private business. But but you're really a little unique, uh, maybe. Uh, and uh, if I use the entrepreneurial term, you, you've got a little bit of a niche mm-hmm. uh, market. You're really working with a lot of of small governments trying to help them uh, connect to and and leverage funding to, to do these kinds of projects, right? Is that kind of what you're doing? Absolutely. And we really focused it on the panhandle. And um, we're all from North Florida, so you know we, we, we speak the same language and probably have the same accent. Right. <laughs> so it's, you go a little bit further south, it's a little different. But we saw a need there of, you know one, knowing the areas, but knowing where the growth could be, growth could be that isn't just tourism you know, related. Right. And I think... Seeking appropriations, I mean, all of us, I have a great team, you know, four lobbyists with wonderful experience and being able to seek appropriations, that's good. But when you get, when you've got a project that's a $30 million project and you get 500000 or a million dollars each year, it's a long time before you pull right. that all together. Right. And so as we started talking through, you know, with a couple of our local government clients, their needs and looking at, well, what's your engineers saying? Is this a shovel-ready project? What is it, you know, are you getting funding from somewhere else? And as we started digging into it, there's so much synergy through, um, you know, the work that we were already doing with state agencies like DEP, um, Department of Economic Opportunity, um, you know, the Water Management District, FDOT. We had these relationships built and we said, wait a second, we, we can help lay the groundwork for these local governments and help them with a plan. So I think if there's something that, um, from a niche standpoint that we've done, one, we're able to find the money, but it's strategic. It's not just, we're going to write a grant for you because this grant is open and, you know, here's right. the cycle. It's, what does your capital improvement plan look like? What do you need uh, that we can actually help you be successful at? And again, you use a term that's not normally associated with lobbying, grants. So you are actually assisting municipalities in crafting grants? We are writing their grants. We are writing their grants. And in fact, um, you know, one of the ones we were most proud of of recent is a a city of Freeport, which is in in, uh, Walton County as well. Just last year, we were able to secure $12 million in funds for them. Nine million of it was a a federal grant uh, uh, from the USDOT. The rest of it were state appropriations and other grants that we'd worked on. So we're we're excited. We're excited about that. And it's not um, unlike normal, 
what people think is normal lobbying. Right. It's not about members or staff liking us. It is right. a good work product. This right. is not, it's different. It helps because of those relationships. Right. Talk to us about uh, your engagement here with the uh, Rural Economic Development Summit. Uh, what was your presentation all about? Our presentation, I was on a panel with two other individuals, and we talked about issues um, related to, again, rural issues, uh, a workshop in the afternoon, and we really focused on uh, ARPA, the American Rescue Plan Act, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, and a little bit on FEMA. Um, two of us, uh, the one CPA said, you know, Steve Stevens said, oh, I'll talk about FEMA, and we said, oh, thank you, you can do that. <laughs> um, but in talking about ARPA and IIJA, uh, we talked about, one, the good and the bad, the ugly. Most of these folks are down the road in terms of ARPA, but, to, you know, little tip, tips and tricks, and we talked about some case studies of successes, um, things that they should be doing to not have to deal with, you know, clawbacks. Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, I think, is, you know, we, we tried to explain where the money's flowing into Florida. It's sprinkled in a whole host of agencies. So it's not like you just call up the state of Florida and say, well, I want IIJA money and I want it out of this bucket. It's going through a particular agency. And we talked about, we don't think this will be the last of the federal funding. Um, there is, there's a performance period on ARPA, which is, you know, four years, and it's a little bit concerning to see some of the uh, articles that have come up in the paper, not out of the panhandle, but other right. areas of the state where funding is, you know, used for things that aren't COVID relief or uh, right. digging out of it. So that's what we talked about. Um, we, we didn't have enough, we didn't have time to, we were hour and 15 minutes. We didn't have time to do questions while we were there, but I did have a stack of folks afterward. We had a lot of conversations yesterday and most of them were related to, can I, can we spend our money on X? Right which, you know, we can't imagine uh, answering immediately, but it was it was great to see. There, there really is a lot of um, sophistication, I think, in this group, group and Frida. Um, Jeff Henry and his team are doing a fantastic job. 300 people here, I know. who thought? Um, so, you know, the purpose of our whole uh, little podcast platform here is all about small business. So what, what's in this for small business? I mean, uh, I you know, I, you know, the the opportunities to me just seem limitless in the state of Florida for small business. Uh, Dr. Parrish, uh, I remember made a comment at a presentation not too long ago. He said, "You know, now is the time." Now, of course, I realize we've we've had some ups and downs with the economy in the last uh, year or two, but uh, but uh, there was a time when uh, when Dr. Parrish talked about. Now is the time to open a small business in Florida. Do you do you see that kind of optimism? Do you see those opportunities for small business owners? I would agree. I think it would really be dependent on the type of business. And for for a business climate, we are a very welcoming state. I mean, let's just start with the fact we don't have a personal income tax. That in itself, we have how much coastline? You move to Florida, you're yeah. you know a couple hours anywhere. So the economic environment is a lot driven by the geographic, you know, location. Um, but I think starting a business, how you, you know, set up a business with the Department of Corporate or Division of Corporations, Department of State, how you're working with the local government, that gets a little sticky sometimes, those permits and whatnot. But in terms of um, incentives to be able to open a business, it's not difficult. It really isn't difficult in Florida. I think the difficult part is for folks to find resources right. on, on how you do it. Right. Okay. And then uh, how does one connect to you at uh, Liberty Partners if uh, 
if they uh, need your services. And uh, I would think a lot of folks uh, would, be, would be interested in your services. Wonderful. Well, our website is uh, libertypartnersfl, as in Florida.com. We're on Twitter uh, at Liberty Partners and uh, tweet out a lot. We've got a newsletter you can sign up for every Sunday night. Our weekly update comes out. We give a little snippet around the state. We hire a lot of our clients. Or you can just email me direct, directly at jennifer at libertypartnersfl.com. Okay. It is Jennifer Green, uh, who is the founder, owner, operator of uh, Liberty Partners, a full-service uh, business consulting firm who is working the niche of working with uh, local uh, municipalities uh, and governments to help them uh, leverage the possibilities of rural uh, economic development. You got it. Did Thank I say that right? You said it perfectly. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Um, this is uh, Tom Kindred, and uh, I am Small Biz Florida, or you know something like that. And uh, we are coming to you from the Florida Rural Economic Development Summit. It's all taking place in St. Augustine. And uh, there's more to come. Stay tuned. This is Small Biz Florida. This has been Small Biz Florida, created and produced by the Florida Small Business Development Center at Indian River State College. Your host for Small Biz Florida is Tom Kindred. Partners for Small Biz Florida include WPSL and WSTU and Indian River State College, named the 2019 winner of the Aspen Prize for Community College Excellence.